I usually take uh, six or seven months to to write notes and to make the concept for a game, to try it out, to play test it, and to 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 gather a lot of information uh, and to define it as a setting. Once I do that and I'm ready to go, I really cannot finish something unless I have the pressure to finish. I'm sure that many creatives are like that. Hi, welcome to the Daiku Podcast. I'm Gary Snow, and I'm here with Gabriel Quiroga. Gabriel, pleased to meet you, and thanks for coming today. Pleased to meet you too, Gary. Thank you for the invitation. Well, uh, Gabriel has an awesome new Kickstarter called Hell Knight that I'm really excited by, and I was a big fan of uh, Warpland, and uh, I'm super excited to get into those details, but you're going to have to stay tuned because, first of all, I want to know, how did you get started in role-playing games? Great. I started playing with role-playing games at around 15 years old in, in high school with my friends. We decided to buy a, a book. We didn't know what the hell we were doing with it. We bought the player's handbook D&D second edition manual. So we tried to figure out how to play with that. It was very difficult without any guidance at all. <laughs> so it took us several months until we finally managed to get a hang of it. Yeah. I remember in those days, uh, there was very little internet uh, articles or sources. So I, I remember there was a, a French uh, web called Le Chute Rolle. And we, we like translated from French to Spanish and trying to figure out how to play. And well, in the end we managed and we, we never stopped since then, since then. I still role play with those guys. Right from the 15 years old onward, you've been playing with the same, yes, yes. same crew? Yes, yes. And I've seen- yeah, Not constantly, but with backs and forth, yes. Yeah, and I've seen pictures of you and your uh, crew on uh, Instagram and it looks like you always have a fun time with them. Yes, 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 we are a we are a cool bunch. Yes, we like to enjoy ourselves, have our hot drinks, and uh, always inviting uh, guests, people that are non-RPG gamers. I'm always looking forward to invite uh, people from uh, that are not within the community to try it out. And I have to say that maybe fifty percent of the playtesters are non-RPG gamers. Oh, that's so probably that's very fantastic. good for me. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's very good. I should I should note I should note you're in Argentina because some not everybody knows that you're in Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, and uh, so that's I am in Buenos Aires. Yes. Yeah. It's the summertime in here. And uh, beautiful city, beautiful country. I mean to go back there in the future. I really uh, I was there once, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I know me and my wife uh, actually got married there, so uh, we're excited to go back on our ten year. Uh, anniversary which i don't off the top of my head remember so don't tell her though oh it's a lovely country the only problem is the argentinians <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was the, the uruguayans that were the problem no no those are very very good guys yes. <laughs> so when where did you go from playing and then all of a sudden you said you know i'm gonna design a game was that something that happened early on um, I think uh, I always have a, a like a, a creative edge on everything I do. I'm also a, a musician um, and a, well, a writer. 
And I think that from the moment I started uh, DMing or being a dungeon master, uh, I started like tweak, tweaking my own home rules and making my own settings. And I, I, it, it all came out effortless or naturally for me. So I've, I have always been designing or making stuff, but only recently in the last three years, I started taking this seriously as a, as a way of living. So what was your first product that you uh, created that you said, I'm going to sit down and I'm actually going to make something? My first product was uh, NeuroCity. NeuroCity. Uh, I made it in Spanish, uh, mainly for the, for, to, to distribute it locally, but it was not much of a success. Um, the book was, uh, well, I have to... I have to say that the setting is a bit uh, difficult to, to grasp, or maybe it's not what everybody, everybody could be used to it, because they're not, uh, that's the reason why there are not many dystopian settings uh, around in RPGs. The only dystop famous dystopian setting per se, I think it's, it's paranoia. And, and they have to set with a, they have to settle with a, a, a comedy angle in order to, to sell it or, or to make it popular. It becomes very bleak to play, to play in a proper dystopian setting. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about that because I'm a big fan of paranoia. And when I was reading yours and I was like, wow, there's a lot of similarities. But like you said, you don't treat it too jokingly. It's, and I think the players that I've seen post on your Facebook group really kind of enjoy that. There's a, a certain amount of, uh, they like the darkness of the city, but just explain the setting to everybody that's at home. Uh, yes, well, uh, NeuroCity is, um, is a city that's um, in a closed environment. Uh, it is never explained uh, why, what are the reasons. Part of the, of the interesting uh, thing about the setting is finding out what's behind the scene, how, how come uh, things are the way they are. Uh, it is managed by a by a supercomputer, by, a, by, a, by a intelligent artificial intelligence. And the whole society is divided by a case cast system. And players uh, are uh, operatives within that system that are handled different tasks uh, to do, to perform at the request of the supercomputer. And um, Eventually, the idea is to find out that there's something very wrong behind the scene. And there is a very interesting uh, stress mechanic that uh, works with that also as well. So um, there is always the, the dilemma of, of, obey, of, of obeying authority uh, despite what your morality uh, states. And, and that uh, disobedience carries uh, a stress uh, carries the stress and and the more stress you build up uh, the the worst consequences you will have for your pc so it demands a lot of involvement from the part of the player because you it asks that you confront a lot of your maybe your particular beliefs maybe as a player i wanted to ask you about this quote by uh, klaus kinski in the front mm -hmm. of it how did you uh, find this? What was the inspiration of including it? Uh, 
Klaus Kinski, for me, it's a very uh, uh, polemic. Does the word polemic exist in English? Polemic? Hmm. I'm not sure. You're, no? you're talking about the actor, correct? Yes. Yes. Actor. And so he's a German actor and uh, prolific. That's probably uh, lots of movies. I think he's been in over 200 movies over his career. Yes. He's very interesting for me. I do not agree with most of the things he he says. I do, do not agree with him as a person, but I somehow uh, value him as an actor. And I saw a documentary about him uh, of his early ages, and he was um, uh, state, he was uh, saying a poem, an improvised poem. Uh, it was a footage of, of that uh, poem. And that's a phrase of that uh, improvised poem. Yeah, he's a fascinating uh, character. Like I've seen him in interviews and uh, he's very edgy and very- yeah, He's very, he's totally crazy, yes. <laughs> but I think that that phrase uh, sums up a lot of what uh, neurosity is about, like striving for free freedom or the individuality despite everything, despite the whole system being against you. And the the design of it it kind of has that uh 1970s technology 1980s technology that uh at least that's my take on it but what was the what was kind of the uh artistic inspiration that you came across uh, i i think i well you you might notice that i'm a big fan of all the retro retro mania or uh, the nostalgia um, and I think that I really wanted to make a cyberpunk setting that did not have such an emphasis on technology. So uh, that all the technology at least was more uh, analog inspired. So I had to figure out a way to insert that into the storyline. Uh, my idea was that because it is a closed environment, the city, it has to constantly recycle itself. And that constant recycling of technology uh, generates uh, an involution of technology from the dig digital age to the analog age. Uh, and that fits very well to go back to a 80s aesthetic. Uh, so I think it all makes a lot of sense for me. It also, of course, uh, 1984, the George Orwell a novel is a big inspiration for the book, so that fits as well with the theme. Um, a lot of inspiration from uh, 80s comic books as well. And, um, and, uh, and instead of Big Brother, the artificial intelligence is named Isaac, correct? Yes, it is named Isaac. It means intelligent singular artificial consciousness uh, that uh, character that artificial character uh, belongs to uh, a previous story from from me I, I made so i'm using it i also use it for uh, three i made three eps extended plays of uh, of albums and they're all based around the idea of isaac well, it's what I really appreciate about it is that you do leave it open ended uh, and uh, there's a lot of mysteries because a lot of settings um, and you tell me if you uh, it sounds like that was your desire is to keep it so people can explore and there's no 
uh, real legend or lore or canon that they have to stick to. They, they can make it up as they go. Yes, I think that's, uh, for me, it's uh, a key point of everything I do. I really want uh, the readers or the, or the table to, to, make their own, uh, to make their own game or their own experience of the game. So uh, even I can play in a, another table of New York City and, and be surprised by everything because the whole experience will be totally different. I, I always try to, to, to give um, inspiration or ideas to, to, yeah, to inspire a lot of, um, a lot of uh, plot hooks so they can, they, it's like a labyrinth, no? Of, yeah. of inspiration, of ways to go. And the book comes also with five origin possibilities of what uh, Neurocity could be, but it's all open-ended, uh, everybody. Mo most people even, they do their own, their own take on that. Yeah. And so how did you end up selling that from Argentina? Like what was your, what was the steps that you had to take in order to get people to buy it? Cause that was like 2015 ish, I think that it came out and how difficult was it? Did you just go to drive through RPG? Um, well, I, I had to do a lot of research um, of first, I didn't had a clue how to crowdfunding worked. Uh, after I read a lot of tutorials and, uh, and articles about that, I understood that the best way to do it, it to start, uh, it's uh, handling myself through a platform like Drive-Thru RPG that could, uh, could print on demand. Uh, so then I did a campaign and I made a very big effort of marketing my stuff, of talking about that in, in forums, in social media, and explain why is it different, why I think that uh, this could be interesting for some people, because uh, I don't think that, uh, that this particular theme has been touched by RPGs. Um, I think that's very important that if you're going to do something, it must have a, an edge. You know something that really makes makes it stand out from mm -hmm. everything. So at the, at the beginning they said, okay, it's just another paranoia clone, and it was like, no, but I mean, uh, it's like the difference between Brazil the movie or 1984. It's like totally different stuff. You know, yeah. Uh, you play paranoia to to laugh about it, <laughs> and yeah. you play neurocity. You want to really delve into some uh, serious uh, themes. Um, so after I, I did that, the crowdfunding was somewhat uh, successful. Um, it was a good, uh, I think it was a, a good, uh, a good project for me, a good start. Uh, after that, I did a, a Facebook group that uh, had uh, some followings. I had very good uh, interviews. I had very good uh, reviews, very good feedback from the community. A lot of people that helped me uh, to, to spread awareness of the project. Uh, I think that the RPG community is very uh, supporting in that sense. If they see that you are um, that you have the the passion in a project and you are really striving for it, they are really. I was surprised by how helpful and they are with me that I was uh, practically an outsider of the 
of the community. I, I was never much into the RPG online community. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's a really good product and I wasn't aware of it or I wasn't even aware of you until I saw Warpland pop up on my radar and I, I immediately went, okay, I'm backing this and I'm going to show you later on my name's a little tiny in the back of it. So. <laughs> oh, great. Well, <laughs> you made it happen then. You have yeah, made, I made it, it making the dream happen but so tell us how from so 2015 you released uh neuro city or neurosity i've heard some people call it mm -hmm. so then you started how soon did you wait until you started working on warpland and mm. and kind of like what was the inspiration behind that genre um i think uh i started uh thinking about it about uh, one or two months after I finished Warplam, I usually take a, a couple of months, uh, like a break. And then I started yeah, uh, doing the conceptual thinking about uh, how, uh, how to do a science fantasy setting. At the beginning, it was uh, Warplam was originally going to be like a simulation within NeuroCity. Uh, it was going to be like, uh, yeah, a virtual reality simulation for the higher hierarchies of the of the society of NeuroCity. And I thought, oh, it would be cool if the simulation would have like fantasy aspects or like medieval aspects. Why not? And then it eventually evolved into what it was. It was something separate, but uh, Warplan still might be a simulation. Uh, within neurosity well i saw we, you had some we don't know it's also open-ended I, I saw you had three hooks within uh warpland and how you could integrate it with uh, yes that is one of the possibilities of course yeah and what when you uh, started doing the graphic design who who helped you along the way on that um as far as like divining the sense and the style of it with warplan yeah uh, with Warplam, uh, Nicolas uh, Chicola helped me a lot. Uh, there's also Marina Gulia. Uh, there, there's uh, also uh, Laurie Gius that's help, helping me a lot with some consult consulting with my new project, Hell Knight. Uh, there are a lot of friends that I have that are always, I'm always having feedback uh, back and forth with them. I think that that's very important to have it. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Uh, even from the community, Andy Lennon helped me a lot uh, with a lot of uh, the writing within it. Um, yeah, it's like, I, I have to say that the amount of people that collaborated to make it happen, it uh, must be around dozens. Um, I think that part of the style of Warplan is uh, Maybe a bit hectic, also a bit, also a lot influenced from comic book styles like heavy metal or metal Harland. I'm a big fan of that. And why did you choose the uh, eight and a half by eight and a half uh, sizing for uh, both the Neurocity and Warplant? Well, the same thing that. Uh, I, I talked about the setting that they need. We need to have that that distinguish uh, themselves from the others. I thought that okay, the size make make that a made a symmetric size would be something that might be appealing to the public. 
and making it the same size as Neurosity, uh, you create a sort of analogy between both settings, like two sides of the same coin. And how much do you get into the details of like, uh, are you, do you do mostly the writing in the in vi visualization of what you want it to be? Or do you get into the layout and, and the design of it? I honestly, I am behind everything. Uh, I, I don't have the, the skills to do designing. Uh, that's why I work with people that uh, can stand up with me, can bear me, my com obsessive compulsive disorders. Uh, so yeah, it's a team that uh, indulges me a lot and helps me a lot to to take uh, to to take me to the vision I have of the product. So yes, I, I am behind everything, everything from the typography, for, from the font to the color we are using. Um, yeah, the, the the writing is all yeah ninety five percent done by me. Uh, yeah, mostly everything. That's great. And I, I know people love this poster and I think it was a, an add-on or a stretch goal for the, the Warpland uh, game. No, it, it was not, no. it ended up being a stretch goal. I am a big fan of Bruce Pennington and actually I'm a big fan of that particular piece. And I'm such a big fan that I wrote an email to Bruce and I explained to him why he's this painting is so important uh, for me and for this particular work. And he uh, graciously accepted to, to lend it for the project. He said, no, no problem. Uh, I only asked for, uh, for two copies of the book. I said, okay, thank you, Bruce. Uh, thank you very much. And yes, it was an honor for me. I, I cannot believe I'm, uh, I have a Bruce Pennington art uh, within the book. Well, it's uh, incredible. I know people love it. And then, so the Kickstarter was successful. Uh, you had a lot of backers and uh, and then- yeah. Sorry, for the, yeah, one of the stretch goals yeah. uh, ended up being a, a Bruce Pennington poster uh, of the book with a warblam and yeah, it, it looked like a movie poster. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Uh, and you still have it for sale, I think, uh, digital at least uh, on DriveThruRPG. It's a- it's it's on sale for only one dollar. It's no profit for me. Anybody can buy it for one dollar. The poster. Yeah. yeah, it looks awesome. So check it out on drive through. And then, at what point are you now doing um, game design full time, or do you have a day job that you and you do game design in your spare time still? I am particularly particularly blessed that I have been only working on this since the last uh, two years. So yes, full, it's a full-time job for me. I, I have to say that I can manage because I live in a third world country. So probably the currency uh, helps me a lot to do that. But I'm, I'm doing uh, more, than, more than okay. I'm very grateful for the, for the support of the community and for allowing me to live doing what I love. So you, know, you now realize everybody's gonna move to Argentina yeah, great. Yeah, more. Great. Wonderful. Make the community grow here. We need that. We need that because uh, there's not uh, much appreciation, especially for the OS, OSR uh, movement in here. Uh, people still are a bit adamant to try independent creations. They, they sort of play Pathfinder or like a mainstream stuff. 
I know uh, in Brazil's got a really dynamic community. And Brazil is incredible, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you attribute that to as far as like, it seems like uh, between your game and everybody that's working hard in Brazil, um, you guys are really putting out some unique stuff. What do you, what do you attribute that to? With Brazil, I think they, in, in their defense, uh, they have a, probably their market must be 10 times the size of Argentina. Uh, they write in Portuguese. So they sort of uh, feed themselves from their own product uh, because there are not so many, so many Portuguese speaking people or books in RPGs. So they created a very nice community and yeah, they're always our products. They kick ass, they are amazing. Yeah, really good stuff. And then, uh, so you, you finished Warpland, that's successful. And then right away, what did you jump into? I immediately um, jumped into Asset, that's uh, a card game, an RPG card game, in which you interpret an ascetic monk uh, in search for enlightenment while being beset by the temptations of demons. That The whole story is inspired of, uh, with the um, Saint Anthony. Uh, from the story of, of Saint Anthony. Uh, so basically I thought it was very, I had a, a mechanic that I wanted to try that used uh, dice and cards. And uh, also Laurie Hughes uh, helped me with aesthetics. It had a very minimal aesthetics. Um, it was a very nice experience to, to do something that uh, removed a bit from the classic RPG thing. It touched one well, uh, card games. It's an entirely different uh, general. Yeah, like you stuff. you cleansed you cleansed the palette, and you were ready to kind of get back into role playing games after doing something different. After doing asset, yeah. It, well, you you used asset to kind of just change things up a bit, and then when did uh, Dark Ship, the Mothership uh, supplement, come out? Yes, uh, Dark Ship came out uh, because I uh, published um, a, a system that was based on the Tulu hack uh, uh, for Mothership, for the RPG, for the sci-fi RPG Mothership. And um, Rodrigo Vega, that's a very good graphic designer from Argentina. He's also an illustrator. Uh, he's, so, he's a fan of Mothership and he uh, he came to me and said, uh, why don't we do uh, something uh, good with this? Why don't we uh, make it into a, a good uh, supplement for mothership? And said, okay, let's go. And he made this. That's, I think that the aesthetics are super cool. We are probably going to do something else with him next. Uh, we're probably going to do the same, but inspired more in... 60s sci-fi like star trek or those, those kind of movies that i think that's a different different take from mothership you know, mothership is 80s sci-fi aliens or event horizon and this will be more into star trek cool. uh, the, the studies are different you know they're more more white more more minimal yeah. uh, more about the federation more about exploring space uh, 
is is a bit more humanitarian. I think it's different. I think it, it will be a, a good experience, and also I, it will be based with uh, using the Tulu hack. That I think that it's absolutely great for as a stress mechanic. I think that it works. I honestly I think it works better than mothership with the stress mechanic. But I haven't seen the new mothership yet. Yeah, uh, I, I I read the the alien uh, RPG that has a very nice stress mechanic as well yeah so no shortage of projects that you have on your plate and then all of a sudden you had this uh epiphany that you're going to create hell knight how did that come to be like what what was the inspiration there uh, yes uh, hell knight uh, well i also wanted to do um, uh, something different uh, at first i wanted to do a horror rpg uh, when I saw Mandy from Panos Cosmatos, the movie that stars uh, Nicolas Cage, I felt in love with the demon bikers characters. The, I think they were called the Black Skulls. Um, and I thought it was, it, it would be really cool to play demonic bikers in, and in the 80s uh, uh, Earth. Uh, so I, had to think of a way to to do that to 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 express a setting that um, that it made it uh, logical to play that so yeah that's uh, i love it that those are the guys those are the demonic riders um so yeah the idea was to play something that was ultra violent and you can you could go around uh, indulging yourself in violence um uh, but still, uh, we have to give them a reason to do that. So I thought that the reason could be that because uh, Lucifer or Satan was missing from hell, uh, all hell is breaking apart and in a state of turmoil. And what that causes is that a few arch demons, the rulers of the different circles in hell, are beginning to escape. And they are uh, running rampaging, ramp on a rampage in, 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 on Earth. So you would have to interpret uh, like uh, these demonic characters that have to go to Earth to grab these guys and to grab these fugitives and bring them back to hell or kill them or destroy them. So we started trying that, playtesting play that, and we quickly figured out that uh, it's not only horror, the appealing behind that, but also humor. It has a lot of black comedy behind it. Um, so we started exploring the comedy aspect of that uh, with, the, with the violence and it fitted perfectly the whole B-movie atmosphere because I think that horror B-movies of that era had a lot of black comedy and a lot of violence. So it all uh, fit together. I think it uh, fit wonderfully together. Uh, and, yes, and, I'm very stoked about that project. Yeah, and the comedy I think helps because you can't just have something all violent. You got to have kind of balance it off a little bit to kind of leave the tension of just the violence, and it's a good if, balance. If not, you are, you are left with only tension, like like neurosity. Neurosity is pure tension. That's why uh, I think that the game has has a lot of fans that are a bit reluctant to play it because to have the correct mindset to play it, it's uh, like a lot. 
I, I myself don't play that much. It's like, okay, I'm going to play this. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like going to the worst, uh, you know, a roller coaster that you only go when you are really prepared to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> but so you, you put it out on Kickstarter and let me just run through some of the details. Uh, the deadline to back it is January the 22nd. So you, you chose a 60 day window, I think, or thereabouts. Yes. Um, is that kind of uh, typical or did you learn from previous Kickstarters that you wanted it to go longer? I think I do, uh, I, I do something very different because I, I usually take uh, six or seven months to, to write notes and to make the concept for a game, to try it out, to play test it and to, to, to gather a lot of information uh, and to define it as a setting. Once I do that and I'm ready to go, I really cannot finish something unless I have the pressure to finish. I'm sure that many creatives are like that. So I found that having the launching the campaign and writing and finish it worked for me. At least for me, it worked. This is what I have done with my previous three projects. Uh, so I gathered the whole team and when I read, when I, read, I got the, the team, I said, okay, we're going to launch the project, uh, the campaign. Now we have to finish this in 60 days. Are we all ready to go? Yes. Okay. Launch the campaign. And then we start and I'm basic, basically doing, working on this uh, seven days a week. And uh, every day. And the, the size of it. Like if I look at uh, NeuroCity was about 130 pages and Warplan about 150 pages. And this one's gonna be 60 to 70 pages. And I'm not saying you're not getting your money's worth in it, but mm -hmm. what made you decide to kind of go um, not only a different uh, page number, page count, but also a different size compared to you, what you had done before? Uh I wanted to present uh, something that was a bit more condensed, uh, particularly suited for uh, short storylines. Um, so the system is a condensed version of Warblam. Um, that's why I'm also doing like a condensed book, but I wanted to go uh, with a premium quality in everything. That's why I'm going uh, offset printing with this book. Uh, I'm aiming for a hardcover. I think we might be able to achieve the final stretch goal of, of the hardcover with 666 backers. So if you're, uh, if you're listening at home, I think you, last time I checked, it was at 450. And by the time this airs, it's probably going to be 666. But if not, if you can get it up to 666, it's going to go from a soft cover to a hard cover. Yes, yes, I think we will reach that. So it will be a really premium boutique, a small size product that I think that it fits very well with the thing. Uh, the idea of the game is that you can set up a session uh, with just a, a few hours of preparation. You can decide to play this like uh, you, you get together and say, hey, should we play? Okay, let's play. And just with the random tables and everything in the book, you can manage a session. We, we actually try to play test it in that way. And so for as cheap as $8, they can get a digital $8 US, that's a PDF digital version. And then the next step up is 26 for the perfect bound, but that could be a hardcover. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then um, after that, uh, I don't even, I think it goes up to like 46 or something. Sorry if I don't have that handy, but that's for the, uh, the add-on of the, the hardcover book. I think there's an add-on. No, no, you, you, can, you can buy, uh, no, uh, there's no, there's no hardcover option for Hell Knight. The no. $45 uh, dollar option is to buy a, a Warblam hardcover made in offset oh, premium colors. Okay, got you, it. you can buy uh, a, uh, yeah, an exclusive hardcover edition of Warplan if you like. That's also many people are buying it because I think that uh, uh, for me, the only disadvantage of, of Warplan was uh, doing it uh, print on demand through drive-through. It yeah. was uh, very practical for me, but uh, there is no denial that uh, there is a big difference between a print-on-demand product and an offset printing. Yeah. So many people asked for a hardback, so now I wanted to give them an opportunity to buy that. Um, I wanted to say also that uh, one of the advantages of, of doing the project uh, with the crowdfunding is that I can adjust uh, the project to the, to the funding I have. So I think that it's also a very advantage because the, the backers, I, I always insist that um, each penny they, they put into the project will, will have as a consequences a better uh, product. Because I, I say, okay, now we have this budget. Okay, let's hire this illustrator. Now we have this budget. Okay, let's do, uh, we, let's add a couple of pages. Let's, let's hire this uh, writer. Uh, that's great for me because uh, I have an accurate um, picture of, of, of what um, budget I have. And so uh, let's talk about your stretch goals and, uh, and some of them that you are still outstanding. I mean, I think you've already achieved half of them and I'm sure if by the time this airs, you'll have achieved more, but uh, just talk about how you- Yeah, well, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. So what, uh, what kind of stretch goals and what made you come up with these uh, as far as having them as stretch goals? Um, I think that, uh, well, stretch goals are a big part of uh, every, every Kickstarter campaign. Uh, people really want to, to see that the value of the product uh, increases uh, uh, as, uh, as, the, as the campaign evolves. Um, there were many. There were many people that approached me that they they really liked the concept of Hell Knight, and they wanted to participate. So I thought that adding them in the stretch goal, goals was a big opportunity uh, to do that, uh, to help my friends, friends that always helped me in my previous projects, and uh, to give something back to them, because all of them are people that I admire a lot. Well, Philip Renaud. And from the Coop Critic channel, he's uh, very passionate about RPGs. Andy Lennon is a superb writer. He's, uh, to my knowledge, I think he's uh, one of the best uh, writers in the community. Um, well, the 100 gram paper that uh, keeps adding more value to the product. Subhuman, the commission artwork by Subhuman. She's an amazing Colombian artist. I, I think that we will probably hear a lot from her. Um, uh, she will probably be a, a she's a, a great a cover illustrator for heavy metal bands. 
Uh, I absolutely love her work. Uh, Diogo Nogueira, well, he's, uh, he, he's a famous guy. He's the most famous uh, South American guy. He uh, won an Emmy with his uh, yeah. products. Uh, Solar Weather, she always uh, appeared in all my in all my games. There's a collage artwork in Neurocity. There's a collage artwork from Sol in Warplam. Uh, well, the headlight poster, the super mystery stretch goal that I will not uh, disclose. Not even a hint? <laughs> not even a hint? <laughs> no, 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 not yet. <laughs> But it will be worthwhile. It will be super cool. And then um, just for those that aren't familiar with your 2D6 system, why don't you just describe it a little bit so that they can get a kind of an idea of what like a game, the game mechanics that you choose are? Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, I, I think that, uh, well, when I started um, with NeuroCity, uh, the first response from the community was, uh, why are you not using an already established system? That, that is a very valid criticism. And that's uh, something that uh, probably makes things easier uh, for, uh, for a starting uh, artist or a creator. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really wanted to use a system that was made, uh, that was tailor-made for the setting. I was not entirely happy with the stress mechanics we used or that, that I found. So I ended up uh, doing like a sort of Frankenstein using all the systems I liked. Uh, I had a very clear picture that if I want to pre pre present a novel system, it needs to be super easy to, to learn because uh, truth is that uh, most RPG gamers, they are pretty comfortable with their system and they will only use a new system if it's like very easy to, to understand. They will only, okay, okay, it's not so difficult. Let's give it a try. Uh, so this is super simple. You can, I, we teach it to non-RPG gamers in 15 minutes. It's just, you need to roll uh, to the six, roll under the stat. Uh, if you manage to do it, roll uh, equal or under the stat. If you manage to do it, you are successful. And then you have negative modifiers that uh, apply directly to the stat, to the stat, uh, depending on the difficulty of the task. And that's basically it. Uh, it's super simple and super uh, understandable. It works a bit like uh, blackjack in that aspect. You need to get as uh, as close as you can to to the number, to the target number, without surpassing it. The closer you get the more successful you are in that action. So it creates a lot of spectrum of how good you were at doing that particular stat. And you're, I also added uh, complications uh, to the dice roll. I think that complications are a must for me in RPGs. Uh, complications that can happen both in successes and in failures because uh, complications keep the keep the the action going forward you know create a lot of uncertainty for the for the dungeon master for the gm and it's it's very good uh, well that's uh, i think we learned from blades in the dark yeah uh, i think it it has to happen in every system and also it uses a lot of black hack 
So it's basically a more streamlined black hack with a, a bit more dynamic, um, uh, I, in my opinion, a nicer take on uh, stats attributes. And what are the, the attributes that you chose? Uh, for Hell Knight, we are using guts, style, and brains. So guts will take care of all the physical and courage and uh, attacking aspects. Uh, style will take care of social related skills, but also the grace of movements and the athletics of the character. And brains will be uh, all about the knowledge and the quick thinking of the guy and all the mental stuff. So it's like super easy to play, very easy to understand, easy to grasp, easy to handle for the GM, uh, uh, appropriate for a sandbox setting or an improvised setting or over a one shot that suddenly spurred out at the last moment. And, and then you have uh, five classes or duties as uh, they're called in the game? Yes, they are called duties because every demon in hell should have a duty. Um, the five classes are slayers that they are some type of barbarians uh, in hell. They're like the, the fighter class. Uh, then you will have reapers that are the well, the classic uh, death guy that comes when you die. Uh, reapers were formerly uh, witches that when they died, uh, hell acknowledged their service and give them a duty as reapers instead of uh, tormenting their souls in infinite, uh, for eternity. And then you have revenants that uh, they are inspired in, well, the revenant is a, it's a concept itself, I think, from the English folklore, but uh, that concept was taken by the, by the crowd. So it's basically a guy that dies and uh, hell gives them an, uh, an opportunity to live again uh, in exchange for a service. Uh, these guys will also have like a guardian, some type of mascot that watches over them. Over them. Could be a bird, could be a, a little monster. Several um, examples for options. You have uh, usurpers that these demons are experts at possessing uh, mortals, uh, mortal vessels. So the interesting thing about this class is that um, you roll to to play which uh, mortal you are possessing, and if that mortal dies, you get to roll again to see which other mortal, and that keeps on a loop. Mm -hmm. uh, so you keep like interpreting very weird guys. You can uh, start like a, like a priest and then up being like a heavy metal dude with a, with a guitar, you know? It's like, it's very funny. And uh, it encourages that slapstick as aspect of ultra violence, but keep on being there. You, you, you do not die. Like I think paranoia does something like that with a constant recycle of bodies. And then the fallen that are uh, fallen angel, angels, that guys that their wings got clipped and they are on earth trying to find a way to go back to heaven and maybe hunting fugitive demons and take them back to hell will be a way to, to earn their reward, to earn their place back in heaven. And then- So the five classes are very different and very distinct. They are packed with different random tables, a lot of customizations. 
So they are all very different, are all with their own flavor and individuality. Uh, so the character creation aspect is uh, very fun uh, in, in Hellnight particularly. And what, what a team did you assemble to put this together? Are there some from uh, Warpland that you brought with you? And, uh, and who else is kind of jumping on board for some of the really cool graphics that you're doing? If, regarding the play testers? Well, the play testers and the design, like graphic designs and um, look. Yes, well, we have a, a part of the playtesting team uh, is from Warblam, and the other part is uh, a couple of guys that got interested in Warblam. They're also Argentinians, and they are interested in trying out my games. Uh, regarding the designing team, Laurie Hughes is also helping me. Um, I, I am working with uh, a great uh, fanzine artist, uh, Tomas Spicoli, he's uh, almost a legend in, in these parts. He's a, a musician and a fanzine artist. He has like 30 years of experience. Uh, he does everything in, in an old school way. He, he does not use internet at all. Everything he uses is uh, from his archives, his own ar archives. So I think that it's, it's very, it's great to, to be able to launch a product that has all, that looks so artisan. Mm -hmm. And so D-A-Y, right? Yeah. Do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, definitely on that philosophy. But we'll put, we'll, I'll put a link to his Instagram and it's really cool. He's got like, you know, that kind of skateboard, 80s, 90s skateboard aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, an artist genius in that, in that aspect. I am already fighting with him a lot. <laughs> who's going to win? No, no, I, I respect his work, so he, he, will, he will always win. That's why I learned to, to, to give um, space to, to these guys because they pay their, their space. And you uh, are distributing it through exalted funeral and getting it printed at mixm this time around mm -hmm. and did you approach them or did they approach you or do you uh, can you even tell us because uh like every i think exalted funeral does a great job and everybody would every indie developer game developer would probably love to have a partnership with them so good for you to have that happen yes uh, yes uh, i uh, i actually approached them a couple of months ago, uh, they were uh, very friendly with me. They were very interesting, interested in, in working with me, but uh, they reasonably uh, said that they needed to see the product first, uh, like I think most publishers uh, do. Uh, and I, uh, I explained to them the way I worked, that they will not be able to see any product at all until the campaign ended because I do not work in that way. So we keep having some backs and forths uh, until I launched the Kickstarter campaign and they saw the Kickstarter campaign and said, okay, okay, let's work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, very good. I'm very glad with you. I'm very honored to be working with them because I absolutely think that their catalog is the best in, in the business. Absolutely. Yeah. I like their style and their aesthetics. Um, very, very stoked about working with them. So I know we're coming to the end of our uh, time together. And 
is there any advice that you can give designers that uh, like see your success story and go, I want that. How do I get that? Uh, what advice would you give them? I think that uh, you, you have to, a couple of things you must do is that uh, you must concentrate on your, uh, your edges, your advantages, and use your disadvantages as an edge also, and acknowledge them. Not try to copy anybody, but still strive for your own style. And don't, and don't be afraid to, to go with, with your, ref, your reference guys to the people you admire to ask for some counseling because the, the industry is really, the community is really helpful and really supportive of everybody that they know that they have the passion to do, to do that. And also uh, do a lot of research, uh, watch a lot of videos, uh, see a lot of tutorials, ask, ask a lot, how do you do this? How can I do that? Uh, yeah, do your homework, of course, and concentrate on what you do best. Well, that's great advice. And uh, I really appreciate you being here today. And uh, I'm a backer for Hell Night, so I'm looking forward to getting it in my hands. And uh, just once again, January 22nd is the deadline. And uh, you're, what percentage are you done of it, do you think, right now? Of the book? Yeah. Uh, the written part is almost 80%. Now we have to design the whole book. Uh, but I know I have been working on this, as I said, for seven months. So this for me is the easiest part. But yeah. also a bit, is the, you need to work a lot as a team in this uh, stage, at this stage. So you need to be on top of everything, on the social media and all the whole team that they need to work like a single uh, organism or focus for the project. What's, that's great. Um, maybe you'll come back sometime and tell everybody how the Kickstarter went, because I think there's a lot of people that would love to kind of know behind the scenes of uh, how you run your Kickstarters. And, and uh, basically, you're kind of working without a net. You're like writing it on the fly. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's interesting to see. And uh, once again, uh, I really like your products. Uh, big fan of yours. And I'm really happy you could join us here today. Uh, thank you, Gary. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you kindly for, for uh, what you do that I think is very important uh, for us uh, creators. <laughs>